Welcome to the Hey Sanat podcast. I'm your host, Sanat Janeski, and I'm here to have real life conversations about the things that we need to hear, but don't really like to talk about. So tune in each week as we laugh and cry our way to a new perspective. Now let's get started. Hello, we have Laura Caselny with us today, and she has so graciously offered to talk about her story and journey with infertility. So thank you so much, Laura. Hi, you're welcome. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. Good. I'm, I'm so honored that you reached out and offered to share your story. I think this is such an important subject and topic. And I truly believe it's going to help a lot of people not feel so alone in this. I hope so. Um, when I saw that you were going to be doing a podcast on infertility, I just like I it wasn't even a thought. I just started texting because um, it is something that I'm passionate about having gone through it. And I know having gone through it after talking about it, how many people out there are struggling with it. Um, I believe it's like one in four. Um, and it's just something I think we need to bring more, be more open about. Absolutely. And I think that this is actually going to be probably part of a series because I don't even think we can cover all of it in just one episode. So like, no. you know, if anyone else out there is inspired to share their story, or if we have more to talk about, then we can definitely continue this conversation on. And another statistic is like, of pregnancies end up in miscarriage, but we just don't know sometimes that sometimes you don't even realize that you're pregnant. You haven't done the test yet. And then you think it's just your period that you've gotten, but it may in fact have been a miscarriage. And that's another topic that many people are not talking about. And it can be very, very lonely and very scary. Sadly, I'm familiar with that end too. So yeah, it's, um, it's awful. Yeah. So why don't you tell me the beginning? Like how long have you been married now? So we got married in 2010. Ironically enough, though, I still can never remember how long we've been married. <laughs> going on 11 year, 12 going years, 12 years, 12, 12, 12 yeah. years tomorrow. March oh, 17th. tomorrow. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> you got married on St. Patty's Day. We did. We did. Yeah. yeah. Did so you right here at your wedding. You know what? We didn't because we were in Mexico. So okay. It wasn't, okay. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So 12 years tomorrow, we've been married happily. <laughs> that's, some, a, that's a good, oh, yeah, yeah. After going through what you've been through. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was it's certainly infertility um, adds a lot to to a marriage. It's always easy to be married when everything is going good. It's definitely hard when things are not going your way. Um, but yeah, so we were married for about two years before we decided to even try conceiving just because we weren't in any rush. Like I think I was, yes, yeah, so I was 28. We were young. Um, and yes, yeah, so it was about when I turned 30 that we tried and, um, you know, you and I had sort of messaged each other a bit before, and I know you had asked me if I was familiar with infertility. You know, I've thought a lot about that one because I, I was, but from a distance, I had a good girlfriend. Well, she's now one of my best, best friends, but at the time we had just sort of started becoming friends and she was going through it. And I remember back then thinking even to myself, trying to be really cognizant of the fact that you know, she was struggling and now Mikey and I were starting. And anytime I would say, I'd be like, I'd preface 
saying having a child with, if we're lucky enough, but never really thinking that it would happen Mm -hmm. to us. That was just me trying to be politically correct, I guess, for, you know. Well, it's a really hard situation to be in when you know people around you that are having a hard time or may not even, they have been married for years and not getting pregnant and you don't know why, but you don't want to ask because you Mm -hmm. can just assume that everyone wants to. Or then you think the worst. And so you have to kind of tiptoe around the topic. So before getting married and before trying, did you have any type of complications in terms of like, you know, uterus or with your period or anything? So yes and no. Um, All my life from my very first period until... um, like right now, I literally have a period. I figure we're talking about you know it, what? So, so do I. <laughs> so do I. Yay! <laughs> um, I have had really, um, really tough periods. They're short, but um, the first day is literally like I can't, I can't do anything. They're super painful. All of the the gross stuff that we don't need to get into. Um, so there was. You know what? Strong- it's not gross. And I, I just did an episode about menstrual cycles and living a natural cycle. And we've been conditioned to not talk about these things. And like, I can relate that my, my period stories were horrible. So painful first day out, can't do anything like clots and, and heavy and just the works. And it was, was from my first period. Like my first period ever was three weeks. Yeah. My mom took me to the doctor and my first period ever, like that was my experience. And I remember the doctor just saying, okay, it could be normal, um, for the first one. And then, you know, and then it went to 10 days every single time. And then seven days of just a heavy period. And I hated it. And, and only now have I embraced my cycle and actually changed the way I'm living around my cycle. And so you can hear that. And to anyone who didn't get that, it's a great episode. It's I am certainly going to listen to that one. Yeah. But you were never diagnosed officially with anything. No, um, no, just, it was just sort of like, I think much like infertility, um, we're talking about it more. And I think doctors are starting to believe women more when they say like, this is how bad it is. Like I remember in high school leaving class and just laying on the locker room floor, like in excruciating pain. And like, that's not normal. Like nobody should do that. So that was sort of it. That was the only, only thing. Um, other than that, my cycles have always been like very regular. I never had any real pregnancy scares growing up or, you know, into my adulthood mm-hmm. when I was sexually active. Yeah. Um, but you did say something that I wanted to touch on is that believe like the doctors are now believing. And I really wanted, because you said that, you know, I had a hard time because nobody believed the pain that I was in, even my family, because they would just be like, it's your period, you know, periods are supposed to be painful. And we've been taught and conditioned to think that periods are supposed to be painful, but they're really not. It's because we don't live in the way that we're supposed to as cyclical beings because we work and, and function the same way as men do. And they're not bleeders. And so there's actually a lifestyle change. And so nobody believed me. And finally, when I was in my early 20s, I went to the emergency room because I was in so much pain. And they said, you know, you were here five years ago 
for the same pain. And so they didn't believe me five years before. And then finally they said, okay, we're going to get you with a specialist. And it wasn't until a friend of mine, when I was complaining about how bad my period was, she said, do you think that you have endometriosis? And I had no idea what endometriosis was. And when I Googled it, I'm like, this is what I have. And nobody believed me. And so I just wanted to like touch on that a little bit that unfortunately our healthcare system in Canada, yes, we are so privileged, but at the same time, when it comes to women's health, there's a lot that goes unnoticed and a lot, um, of trauma from me, like in my experience, trying to get people to believe me when I'm in pain. Yeah, I could, we could just like segue, right? I could talk about this all all day. Well, they're now saying like, I've read articles, I think it was the Mayo Clinic, like some women's periods are the equivalent of like a heart attack. Could you imagine if a man had a heart attack once a month? Can you imagine if they got a cold once a month? (laughs) (laughs) Let alone, yeah, let alone a period or a heart attack. Like it's- I I don't know if I, I don't know if like what- um, what podcast protocol is, but I am going to message you after and introduce you to this other woman I know um, who is a a warrior, I guess, of endometriosis. Mm. And she is just so special and smart and an advocate of of women. She's a really good one to know. And I think I would love that. Thank you so much. And that's what this is all about is like just creating a community and a network where we can all relate and support each other. So thank you so much for that. Um, And then back to what you were saying, like two years into your marriage, you're now deciding that you want to get pregnant, but you've had these heavy periods, but nothing else. Nothing else. So it didn't really like, and again, just like I said, like the doctors, it was just, that's just part of my life. After trying for a few years, then we talked to our doctors. So then we had to wait. There's um, there's only one fertility clinic in Manitoba. Um, Most provinces only have one or two, um, which also side note sucks. Like you met like here, it's only in Winnipeg and Manitoba is such a vast province. Like, yeah. So when you say you were trying, was that like in the beginning, were you just having unprotected sex and that was your trying? And then did it become more of a regiment? Yeah. So in the beginning, totally. It was just, I just thought, you know, we'll yeah. just, we'll bang one night and all the baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, people don't realize too, is that the, the window of ovulation is actually so small. It's only like three to five days in a month that you can get pregnant and one day where it's like the highest possibility of getting pregnant. And so that that's really only 12 times in a year where is like the day that you can get pregnant. So, so you just started trying. So, yeah, so we just started trying and then that's a good, a good question. So slowly after that, it was about a few months or so, maybe six to eight months where then we were like, okay, well, let's really make an effort here. Um, so then I got like a fertility tracker on my phone. I tried doing my temperature, like the basal body. Yes. So I think the idea with that is that your temperature actually drops when you are ovulating or does it rise? You know, I can't actually remember. I think it drops. I think, yeah, (laughs) um, I'm not very familiar with it. I never had to use it, but only in learning about my menstruation and my ovulation that I know this. Um, and so that's why you track your temperature every single day. And then there's like slight changes in your temperature at the time of ovulation. Yeah. Very slight, like, like point one or point two, point Uh three to give them an idea. Exactly. Super tiny. 
still wasn't happening. Um, so we did speak to both our doctors, got on the wait list for Heartland. Um, the wait and this was, you said, after three years? This was, this would have been, have been, so about two years we started trying. So yeah, it was about three years where we got on the wait list. Luckily, though, friends of friends, one a friend of a friend was the receptionist at Heartland. So she oh. sort of snuck us in a yeah. bit, which I was like super thankful for. Um, but it does suck because the average person you're waiting a year, we only had to, I think it was like three months. And then we got in. And so back to my periods, they... We talked about that with them and the topic of endometriosis did come up and it was suspected that possibly I had that. And that was my first hearing about it. And I was like, well, that makes sense. And at this point you're in your early thirties, you're like 30, 31, 30. Yeah. 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 So yeah, about 31 then. So what we did first, we went, we, he, he called, they call everything a protocol you know, what they're going to, your, your specific protocol at that time. So at first we tried this drug, which I should know the name of, and I cannot remember, so I'm sorry, but it's actually a cancer treatment drug, but the offside of it is it forces your body to release more eggs. Um, so yeah, they were giving it to women and these women with cancer were finding themselves pregnant. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so we tried that for six months. So when he asked you about, when he brought up the idea of the endometriosis, what, what was there anything beyond that? And the reason I keep bringing up endometriosis is that because like you said, not a lot of people know what it even is. And you didn't know until you were 31 that it might even be an option. I had to kind of figure it out on my own. And with endometriosis, it, what it is exactly is the lining of our uterus, it's called the endometrium, that breaks every month and releases blood as our period. When you have endometriosis, it grows, in my case, it grows inside my uterus, but also outside of my uterus. And so for some people, it's only outside. Um, but because it's growing outside of the uterus, there's no room for it to come out through the vaginal canal as a period. So it gets stuck in the body and it causes pain and it causes scar tissue. And the only way to get rid of it is through a surgery, a laparoscopic surgery, which I had when I was like 22 or 23 years old. Um, and then with that diagnosis also comes the, the possibility of infertility. And I don't know the exact percentage, but when I was diagnosed 12, 13 years ago, they said, you know, there's a 40 to 60% chance that I could not get pregnant. And so that's why I wanted to mention that piece of it too, is that like, if you're having very heavy periods, if you're having pain, definitely something to get checked. And especially if you're not getting pregnant. hundred percent. And so what did the doctor do? First, we just, we tried, like, it was just, my heavy periods were just sort of started the, or my, not my heavy, my painful periods were just sort of Part of the conversation in the beginning um, and again we tried with the medication first and then after that then I actually went can you say that I can never say that correctly the laparoscopic yeah laparoscopic and the reason I know it so well is because I've had to write it down on every single medical sheet because every time they ask you what surgeries have you had and I'm like oh I had to learn how to spell that and laparoscopic and what that means is they use scopes and so they do tiny incisions instead of making one large incision they make a few tiny ones put in these scopes and that way they can see and use the scopes to like laser it off yes yeah. so, so you had that? 
Yep. Okay. So, yeah. That's the only way they can diagnose the endometriosis. They can't see it in ultrasound. Yeah. So yeah, they went in. So I had my two little scars on each, on each hip and then one in my belly button. I always find it hard to say this, like, cause part of me wants to say, sadly, they did not find endometriosis, but I know I understand how, how awful a diagnosis of endometriosis yeah. could be. So and I don't want to, okay. no, like, you don't want to take away from the experience, but at the same time, you, you, you're looking for an answer here exactly. and you just I want something to make sense. Exactly. It wasn't endometriosis. There was nothing wrong. After that, do they initially check the female or do they check both? Uh, They do either. They definitely could. Um, In the beginning, though, like I said, we just went straight with like the medication. He did get his sperm, his sperm tested. Um, His count was fine. Everything was pretty. There was nothing abnormal. And at this point, they had found nothing abnormal with me either. Mm-hmm. Um, I went for another sort of discovery. They, there was no surgery involved, but they push dye in through your uterus and it goes all through your tubes and comes out. And then they can see on an ultrasound if there's any blockages okay. or, um, and for someone that has really painful cramps, that was awful. That was, it was essentially getting oh, my period. I'm sorry. Just a, a short, short one, but like an hour, but it was horrific um and yeah so again nothing there was nothing to find nothing to see so again it was disappointing in the end what we know is that we don't know anything my husband and I have been diagnosed with unexplained infertility and it's apparently just yeah terribly common and very disappointing because you really don't have a reason on the other hand it means you know we could get pregnant um we never have after the cancer medication did they just say we don't know and keep trying and and send you on your way or what options did they give you so then yes like i said then we did the the surgery um like the 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 more internal investigating um as well as um checking my husband's donation so is this all done at the clinic so no, actually, so the, uh, the lapper, so the clinic, they don't do any surgeries there. It's but just testing his semen. Uh, yes, that's done there. Okay. Yeah. okay. There's a lab. So all of that stuff is done there. If they I think do, we only they, ever see it on TV though. And like in movies, at what point does an alternative option come up in conversation in your marriage? We had started talking about it early on, pretty much once we started going to Heartland, but there is a cost associated with fertility treatments. Um, each province is different, so I can only speak to Manitoba, but essentially it's not covered. You do get, um, I think it's up to 40% back in your taxes. Again, it's an expensive endeavor and we weren't making as much money then as say, you know, we are mm-hmm. further yeah. in our careers. Yeah. We had started talking about it mainly because of planning like how is this going to affect us can we afford to do this um is this something is this really what we want to do essentially the answer was like yes like I knew I I was born to be a mother like I wanted children more than anything I just took it for granted that I would be able to it was I never growing up you well and you shouldn't like no child should grow up having to wonder and you don't. Yeah. I don't think that it's something that you think about until you have to. 
And that like brings me to the question of what did it do to you as a woman? And like, what, what did you have to do any work outside of it to cope with the idea that this may not be a natural possibility for you? Yeah. So I've been seeing a therapist on and off um, from my, my teenage years. I lost my dad at a young age. There was, you know, just, just anyone should see a therapist, but you have a yeah, absolutely. Like, therapy is the best. Right. And you, you don't need to be quote unquote unhealthy to see a therapist. It's like therapy is like a healthy medium as well. So if you're, even if you're healthy or you're happy, go to a therapist. Yeah. Like I'm a huge advocate for that. I love therapy. So, and I'm proud that you had that as a resource at a young age too. And I'm sorry for your loss at such a young age, but yeah. then you had something to fall back on as well. Yes. And she had other patients. Like, so she was experienced in this um mm. she knew i guess the right questions to ask and um how to be a, a good support for me um but yeah no it, it sucked like it was just something again that i had never really thought about um and to learn that it might not come naturally to me was really difficult but not not in a way that was going to deter me i was still going to do it and that brings me I wanted to I wasn't sure when this would come up so that I want to talk about something that happened later on in our um, fertility journey that my daughter that Dr. McTavish brought up to us but um, it really it had been something I've been thinking about for a long time and he just put the words to what I was what I was trying to express and that parenthood doesn't necessarily mean your own natural birth and it's what do you want? Do you want your own biological child or do you want to be a parent? And it was always for us, no question parenthood. So it didn't matter how I was going to achieve that, how we were going to achieve that, but it was going to happen. Yeah. And I, that's why I was asking that question. Like at what point in the conversation with your spouse did this come up? Because like you like you, I always had this need to be a mother. Like I just, I knew I was a mother. I knew that this was my path. I've always wanted a large family. And then I get this diagnosis at a very young age before I'm in a marriage and before I'm in a relationship. And so I was crushed by that. But at the same time, I, I couldn't let that stop me. And I had the conversation with my husband very early on because I just said, I need you to know that I may not be able to get pregnant we were dating at the time. And so I had to be upfront with something like that. And so for myself, I just wanted to be a parent, whether that meant I adopt, whether it meant IVF, whatever it was, I, I just knew that I wanted to be a parent. And that's what it comes down to. That's exactly, that's exactly how I felt. Like I I'm doing this. I'm like, I'm getting this mm-hmm. done where there's going to be children in our lives. So. Well, you cannot stop a mother. <laughs> no, <laughs> you cannot. And, no. and, and some people have the opposite feeling and they just don't want like parenthood isn't for them. And just as I so strongly knew that it was for me, I can understand that it is so strongly not for people and that's okay mm-hmm. too. Yep. No, okay. totally. Totally is. And I, I know people like that as well. So it's, it's very individual. Yeah, it's, it's very individual. And so you have this conversation about potentially now trying IVF. 
So that I would say that was sort of a hard part in our marriage because much like, you know, dates and numbers, et cetera, finances is my husband's department. Yeah. I, my friends will attest. I'm just like, money just grows on trees. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. I just spend it. So I was just like, let's do this. Like, let's do this right now. And he was like, no, we need to wait. We need to do like there was we needed to put things in place to be able to to do it. And, you know, I just feel lucky and fortunate enough that we were able to do that with help um, from our family because not everyone can do that. Some people are lucky enough that they can afford it just on their own. Mm -hmm. Some people like us are fortunate enough that they have people in their lives that can assist. And then there's going to be people out there that just can't. And I, it's just, horrible but that's a whole other <laughs> a whole yeah other well and then like you mentioned you made a good point in every province the cost is different yeah. and so we don't even have to get into the cost um i wanted to but that's okay because it just it may not make sense and it, you know i guess there are resources out there to look it up and when i make the post about this i can try and do some research as well and see um if we can find out how much it costs in province to province the cost and also what what is covered. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's entirely different um, everywhere. We had been with Heartland, I guess. So this would be about married in 2010, 2013. So yeah, it was around 2015 at Heartland, started at Heartland. And it was a while before we actually went through with, with the IVF process. And it was difficult. Past the finances, past all the other stuff, past the mental stuff. Um, physically, it's yeah. it, uh, it's not for the faint of heart, I guess we would say. I'm saying yeah, but I I really don't know because I didn't do it. But my only experience with it is actually seeing it. There's um there's a show on Netflix and it's it was only on for two seasons. It's called Friends from College. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's mm-hmm. um it has a great cast and it's um uh, like a drama but comedy ish in the first season, they really show the difficulties and what it's like to go through the IVF. Cause one of the characters is, is going through it. And so there's, sh- and, and that was the first time and only time that I ever saw what it actually is like on a day-to-day basis, because you're daily, you're injecting the hormones through a needle, correct? Yes. And no. So we did two cycles of IVF and Doctors are very cautious in, well, again, it depends on the, on the doctor, but in Canada, doctors tend to be less liberal than in the United States, um, where they're just, yeah, very gung-ho and um, here they try to be a little bit more conservative. So my first round of IVF, we did not do um, any shots. It was just all, all So I was watching something American and it's very different experience. So I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. Um, And it just, and it depends on everybody's, like on their diagnosis as well, because we were unexplained infertility. Um, Somebody that maybe has like a a defined issue where they know that might be a different protocol for them where they might get injections. Mm. Um, For me, it was not, it was not that way. You're right. Um, You're still producing the eggs. You're still having a a regular cycle. Exactly. I was thinking of the transfer portion, the IVF portion where they're getting me ready to produce all the eggs was yes, it was injections. Daily. And yes, it was horrible. And yes, they were daily. Okay. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm actually very- glad that it's like past, like you're past all of it. So 
you know, like you're just, <laughs> we're getting to the good part of it, which yeah. is nice. When you say around, like what is around entail? So it's the, the, an, a round of IVF is from them starting to get you ready um, to when they retrieve all the eggs from you. And how do they get you ready? So that's the injections. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it was my husband injecting into my belly. And you do this um, at home. Like you have to manage this yes. yourselves. It was really strange because it's not that it was painful, but you know that you're getting injected mm. with these things and they don't look fun. Like they're long and he felt bad. And it was just like, I, do you, are you a Harry Potter person? I can only, <laughs> I really want to be. And I have, oh. yet, and I've been begging my children to get into it. And my daughter just started reading the first book. So we're oh. close and we watched a part of the first movie. So like, I've been begging them for years. Sorry. So I don't know, I know but <laughs> I'm a huge Potter fan. And there's just, there's a, in the second last book is a part where uh, Dumbledore has to drink this water and it's making him sick, but he has to drink it because mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's, it was similar to that. Like I did not want these shots anymore, but it was like the only way out is through, like you have to do it. And it was, like I said, it's not even that it was painful. It was just like mentally I knew it was happening and my belly was bruised and sore Mm -hmm. and it just, you're bloated and the hormones, like I could cry over anything and I got angry over everything and just, you're very emotional. I'm moving my head. Yeah, yeah, up and down the emotions, like the range of emotions is exactly. just drastic. And yeah. that itself is hard on a marriage too. And on yeah. your daily life. It's it's not it was it was not fun um by any means. Like it's there's no way to sort of glamorize it. And are you going into work every day? So I'm fortunate my work life is work from home. It always has been. Always has been, but okay. I do go see clients. I did go, I was working through this, but it was fairly, um, lax, I guess. And then what you do, like you do about a week for us anyway, it was about a week where he's just doing the shots for me. And then after that, then I start going in every day where they, um, they take a look at my uterus and they check out that they can see all the eggs and they start counting them. Are they harvestable? I guess. Okay. Is that a word? Um, so they let us know it's sort of, it's a day by day process then. Okay. When are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? And you start getting an idea when you're it's just after it, it's only a few weeks and then you go in and they take the, the eggs out. And at the time, the day that I go for the egg retrieval, it's called my husband, he goes into his private room and makes his, um, donation donation his contribution his, his contribution that, <laughs> yeah his contribution so how do they retrieve the eggs so that part sucks that part is painful it's like with a catheter and they they suck them out so they're taking the eggs out of your bag but do they give you out of the catheter bag but do they give you any type of actual painkillers or numbing or yeah so okay. yes yeah, so they you they give you actually out of that to start to calm you down then, so there's a little, I don't know, I'm only going to speak to obviously to my clinic, but you're in this little room and, you know, they're very kind to you. Um, they give you, you know, you're in your little nightgown and you're all cozy with your hairs up and then they take you into the, the actual surgical room, which is next door. So you don't have to see anybody. It's just mm-hmm. you and your husband and the nurses. And then. 
And like, this is a private level of healthcare, which is very different from, you know, our, our typical hospitals. So, so then we go in there and then they give you the more, the strong drugs. Um, So there is, yeah, for painkillers, there's fentanyl and something, was it morphine? Can't remember. Um, But anyways, you're very, you're not out of it, but you're. Loopy. Yes, you're loopy. (laughs) but it is, it is painful. Um, just, but I think it would be, it's painful for everyone, but again, it was related to like, it's, it's your uterus. Um, so for someone like me with super painful periods, it was extra mm-hmm. painful. So they do, they give you the nurses there and she's, the drugs are intravenous. So I'm getting more. Um, and yeah, they go in and they, they extract them. <laughs> they extract all the little eggs out. So we were we were lucky. We had, I believe I had eight eggs the first time. And then then they so now that's the I that's the IVF portion or the that's the the egg retrieval portion of mm-hmm. the, the business. Next comes the fertilization. And there's two different ways they do it. So there's pe- they like imagine your two petri dishes. Yep. So in, in one Petri dish, they'll put an egg and a bunch of sperm and they let the sperm do their business and fertilize the egg. Um, in the other Petri dish, they'll take an egg and they'll take one sperm with a needle and actually inject that egg with the sperm. Interesting. And then they actually grade the embryos, A, A plus, B, B plus. Like, oh, really? Like yeah. if it's actually going to work based on what they think? Yeah, the appearance and they can only do the appearance um unless you do pre um pre-genetic testing but that's oh, a whole yeah we'll say that for round two of IVF wow okay so yeah so we had four at the end of it we ended up with four great embryos they were I think it was like a B and the rest were all A's I cannot remember which portion was ICSI that's where they actually fertilize the egg itself versus just natural we'll call it now another side effect though of the egg retrieval and all the medication that you're on is you can get ohs ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome which then you can't um put an egg an embryo in because your body's going through all sorts of stuff because of all the drugs they've given you so i was close to that um but luckily didn't quite have it so i was able to do a fresh transfer What's the time frame from when they do the retrieval, the egg retrieval, and then they, the injection, and then actually like, do they have to wait? How long do they have to wait to know if it worked or do then they, they, they implant, they put the egg back in. They do. It's not the same day. Okay. I can't actually speak to that at the moment because again, this was my first one. I'm so sorry. No, don't apologize because, so I'm just wondering what the process is. Is that, is that how they try? They just, they implant it back into you and see if it worked Mm -hmm. okay they put all the eggs like the four of them like you said no just one just one one. yeah so i was able to do a fresh transfer it's called that's where yes they put the the embryo back or now it's an embryo um they let it get to a blastocyst which is about i think day five day three yeah day five is a blastocyst um, so that's when the eggs has now hatched and see it. I can actually like, yeah, if you were interested, I could 
I can send you some pictures of <laughs> what those little, little be- beans look like. Um, so once it started to hatch, that's when they, they put it back in you. So yeah, it was, that was so five days. It was five days later. And do they have to work? They have to work around your cycle too, probably. They've set me all up for this. Okay. So, yeah. Like when, and then when you do a frozen transfer, which is different. Do they the freeze the remainder of the eggs? They do. So okay. the rest of the eggs are frozen now at this point, except for the one. And I should get back to actually egg retrieval day. Um, after they've taken all the eggs out, you go back into the little private space and you have a little snooze there because you're very... Mm. loopy again so you just sort of sleep it up there they won't let you leave until you're able to like you know stand on your own walk make sense and then you go home and um and then you then you let your partner or your caregiver your mom whoever take the best care of you of your life it's awesome because you're not actually that sick like painful but everyone's really nice to you it's a really good day (laughs) Like when you're a kid and you're sick and you get ice cream and you're like, yes, I want it. Just lay in bed. Anywho, yeah. So we did that, and then yeah. So five days later, we do, or about five days later, we put the embryo transfer in, and then the wait starts. Um, It takes about two weeks. Then you go for a pregnancy test, and they tell you don't test, like don't test yourself because there's false negative, false positives, like all sorts of stuff. Okay. Just go for the blood work, um, the blood work test. So I was due, I think my transfer was on like a Friday and I was due to go for my blood work test on like a Monday, like 10, 14 days later or whatever, not 14 days, but 13 days later, however long. Um, but I did test early. I tested on the Friday. Wait. So tell me about like the anticipation and the feeling of just waiting. Like what's going through your head and. Yeah. Lots of stuff. Excitement, just all excitement. Um, I want to preface this by saying I had to do two. I do have a daughter now. Super thankful. Her name is Bijou. I love her to bits. Um, But that was after two cycles of IVF and multiple embryos. So this Laura Today's Laura is much different than that Laura back then that had just done her first transfer. Mm -hmm. So it was very, um, it was excitement. It was a ton, very scared. I was trying to be, both of us, Mikey and I were both trying to um, keep our expectations low, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. And then I, yeah, I did the tests on a Friday and it was positive and I was ecstatic. I couldn't, we couldn't believe it. We were, just so, so happy. Um, we still had to wait for the actual blood work test. And then that was really funny. So I did, I woke up, got up that morning, went to the, the Dynacare clinic, got the blood work done. They called me the, the Heartland clinic called me that afternoon and they're like, um, whatever, Laura. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, we have good news. I was like, I know. Like you weren't supposed to get tested. I couldn't help it. Oh yeah. So yeah, so it was very exciting. Um, we were pregnant finally. And how many years since the first, like first trying at this point is it? That was 2018. It, It was yeah, about six years. Wow. A long time. And those weeks were um easily some of the sorry some of the happiest weeks of our lives we were it was springtime we were going for walks every afternoon every late afternoon early evening we were 
planning everything. It was just, it was a really, our families were so happy. My husband is an only child um, and I have a younger sister. Both of our families are small, like not a huge extended family. So it was just, it was a really, um, really special time. So we still had, we had, I was pregnant. We had three frozen embryos left. And I remember we were driving home. I was driving home from a family dinner. And this, both sets, my parents and Mikey's parents are really close. Like we're very fortunate. So nice. We do dinners all, we're actually having dinner all this together all this weekend. Um, I remember driving home. I was driving because my husband had had a bit to drink. He wasn't, you know, he was just, he was happy. And he was yeah. and he turned to me. He just said, I think we should have this. We should just, let's just have them all. Let's have all four of them. <laughs> Yeah. Let's like slow down, but yes, let's do that. Yeah. Um, and then we went for, so at the six week mark, you go for an ultrasound where they look for the heartbeat, um, make sure everything is going well. And so we went to that and there was the heartbeat. It was perfect. And we were told it was a really strong heartbeat. We were excited and we went out shopping and we bought nursery furniture. And it was just, like I said, it was just a very, very happy time in our lives. And then we went for the 10 week ultrasound and my mom came with us so that she could see the heartbeat. I should have got tissue ready for this. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I'm just, it's okay. Yeah. I'm holding the most safe space for you right now. And um, I really appreciate your vulnerability. It's not easy. It sucks, but it's something, it just, it happens. Um, but I'll just never forget it. We were there and we went in the room and um, it was a, what are those people that are doctors, but they're like still learning? Resident? Oh An intern. intern. Resident. It was a resident. She was looking first and I knew something was wrong because she was saying, how, how far along are you? And she was having trouble finding the embryo. And then Dr. Tavish came in and told us the baby was not there anymore. It was just shitty. I don't even, like, there's nothing. It was just shitty. While this is happening, I have now applied for my dream job. And this is a Monday. And the following day, I have my face-to-face interview because... Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, We had to have a conversation there that day um, about how to remove the baby. I still, I don't know what you call them, but I call her the baby. And so we just, we could do like a DNC where they go in and physically take her out or do it like um, with drugs. And so we did choose the drug route because it was just like less invasive, you know, because of my, our situation, we didn't want any poking or problems unnecessarily so we wait i didn't start the drugs though until the day after tuesday so you can go to my job interview and it just goes to show you that we really really don't know what is happening in people's lives and these types of things are happening every day everywhere and people have no idea so yeah be kind and so looking back there were signs that could have told me I had lost the baby. Like I wasn't, I had morning sickness for a bit, but then it went away, but I'd never been pregnant before. So I didn't know what was normal for me. And because during IVF, you, they give you progesterone, which is inserted vaginally. And it, one of the side effects is it makes you really tired. And, but tired is also a sign of pregnancy. So I yeah. was still 
tired. So there was lots of stuff I was still experiencing. So anywho, so I went to my doctor's appointment or not my doctor's appointment, sorry. The next day I went to my um, job interview and surprise, surprise, I got it. It was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Great. It was, yeah, it was really, really good. Um, A little silver lining. It was. I was really thankful. The next day I started taking the drugs to release the the baby and it was awful. My mom came and stayed with us. There was just a lot of blood and pain, a lot of pain. Um, again, back to the crown pain, it was it was days of pain. Um, the baby came out the next that evening or it was the next day. She was just she was very tiny. I passed her. And then my husband I bought a beautiful larger very tall and modern and it's in my backyard and we buried her yeah that's such a beautiful way to memorialize her and the experience Mm -hmm. thank you yeah it is it's I wonder like when I think it'll just happen organically but I do plan on one day telling Vishu like I think that's an important conversation to have because as a young girl who will be a woman and and why you want to share your story. I think it's so important for for other women to know the realities of motherhood and all the different ways that motherhood looks. Yes, yes, very, very much so. As you can see, I don't remember a lot of like the dates, but I remember all of the experiences. Yes, and that's what's the most important. Then we had three more embryos. They were frozen. We did try all of them and sadly none of them took. Um, another thing I'll just go back to was that that night that my husband and I were driving home when he said, let's put all four of the, or I'll be yeah, well, let's, let's have all four. Um, I remember us talking to and just being sort of not smug, but this is like way easier than I thought it was going to be like, look at us. Like, we're so awesome. And I'm like, no, you're not. But you are awesome. Yes, absolutely. You're awesome. Well, yeah, but- like, it's, and it's not a, it's not a question of not awesome or not like you, I think anyone when trying something so difficult and experiencing something so difficult, they want to be that best case scenario. Yes. Yes. Definitely. You know, and, and I think that's relatable. Yeah. We, yeah, of course. So yeah, we definitely, we, we thought, it was just going to be smooth sailing. Um, boom, embryo in, away we go. And, um, and then, yeah, and then it was just a hard, it was a hard summer. Um, I think it was hard for, for people um, around us too, because there was just a lot of s- sadness. And there's a lot that comes that people don't think too with a miscarriage. I still had to go for... Um, what happens when your blood type is different than your babies? You have to go get that. I don't know. Oh, the, oh, um, like the, I, I, are you referring to the testing that you do? I had to do it with Bijou too. Like you go to the hospital and they do so that your, if your blood, if your baby has a different blood type than you, your, you can attack your, you can attack your baby because it's like foreign. So I don't, I'm not familiar. I've had, four pregnancies. And what the one thing that I did at like 12 weeks around yeah. was 
that they test to see if the baby perhaps I, I like they're checking for like you know down syndrome or their abnormalities no no this is different um there is a word for it but i cannot remember we can yeah whatever it doesn't, so is this but, something that they brought up to you because of the in vitro or every woman does it to go or here in manitoba they do so yeah it's just to do with the blood um just okay. to make sure your body doesn't you know attack your baby because thinks it's foreign because it has a different blood type than what you have um so yeah so because I wanted to still hopefully get pregnant in the future I still had to go for this thing and you know here I was two weeks after a miscarriage having to go to the hospital and uh, now I'm surrounded by pregnant women again mm-hmm. that's the the part of it that we don't really talk about too is like you're going through this experience Yes, you have a community, but it's almost alone because no one externally knows what you're going through. And to to continue to see women and friends and and people around you get pregnant and have successful pregnancies. It's yeah, it's what I can only say from all. Well, I can say a lot, obviously, but always be kind because we have no idea what someone else is going through um, at any at any given moment. Yeah. And there was a lot, I, a lot I had to do. And there were, I I mean, at our age, we had friends getting pregnant. We had friends. I had a girlfriend and she got pregnant by accident and she had never planned on having more children and she was heartbroken and, you know, she was my best friend. So I had to be there for her, but at the same time, like it was really difficult. Like, how do you wrap your head around that? Like you're so lucky, but I can, I understand because like we talked about earlier, it's everyone's, everyone feels differently about parenthood and that's just not what she saw for herself. So many challenges beyond just the physical. Yes. Yes, exactly. And fertility is very mentally taxing, very mentally taxing. Um, and just the things people, you know, you and I talk too about, you know, how do you care for somebody, for a friend that could be going through it and be careful with your words. Like everyone's allowed to be happy, be upset, but just try and be cognizant of what other people have been through. Like another friend of mine, she got pregnant and she was just like, yeah, we weren't even trying. I guess I'm just like fertile myrtle. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And I'm guilty of that too, because although, and I think a part of it comes from me being so worried before of my infertility and that I actually didn't, it was the opposite for me. I didn't have that infertility problem. Um, fortunately, you, you know, yeah. because I prepared myself mentally for it, but I, there's no way you could possibly prepare for what you're actually about to go through and just like what you shared. Um, so I prepared myself for the idea of it, but not the actual, just like motherhood, yeah. you, you can prepare yourself, but you don't really know what you're getting yourself into until you're there. And I used to make comments like that and I feel bad now and, and I'm learning and that's why I'm having these conversations and expanding And I would say, oh yeah, I just sneeze and get pregnant because that was my, like, I, I didn't have the any problems with it. And I actually terminated a pregnancy because it wasn't ideal timing for me after my first. And that was really, my experience with that is really traumatic, but I got pregnant so easily and I just got pregnant so quickly. And so people are going to 
be on the opposite side of it. And you're absolutely right. It's like, let's just be mindful a little bit with our choice of words. Exactly. And that's really taught me, it's taught me to be mindful of my choice of words for in any different situation. Um, You know, I've been called a snowflake online, like more times than I can count. And I just, I don't understand. What what does that mean? Well, that's what I asked. But it means that like I melt. I'm too. I'm too soft-hearted. I get offended too easily. Oh, or, like, the first time I've heard. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no. Like right-wing people love calling like liberal people snowflakes. Um, okay. Yeah, that we're like I'm too soft. Um, I melt, and I'm like no. It just means that I care about other people, and I don't want to say anything that would have like hurt somebody. Yeah. And your like, story is like you're the ice queen. Like you're not a snowflake. <laughs> This is one of strength and resilience and and it takes a lot of courage and a lot of bravery to continue on in this path and and determination and what you want after going through what you've been through. You you, my dear are not a snowflake. Well, actually, I I don't even mind the term snowflake. (laughs) I wear it proud. I'd rather be a snowflake, somebody that cares about others than that goes around hurting other but it's not a weakness it's a strength no they're trying to use it as a weakness and it's 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 not a weakness so then we were out of embryos um we were kind of stalled and then i will say our marriage did go through um they went through through a rough patch it was just really you're angry you're just angry and you're you're looking for a reason why and and you're grieving and you're yes and you're grieving well, I think I'm still grieving, um, yeah. but there's just, you know, my parents, people noticed, um, I think I was angry. I was really angry. Um, and I was angry at everybody, including myself. Like I was really angry at my husband. I would, you know, we should have tried this earlier. Why did we wait? And like referencing, you know, maybe money or, or just any pause. Um, I knew it. We should like, there was just so much. Um, I was, angry at my family. I was, I was just, um, a lot of road rage, just anything. I was just mm-hmm. angry. I was definitely depressed and anxiety has always been an issue for me. I did go on medication, which along with therapy really helps. I'm very yeah. pro, but like there's, there's stuff out there to help us. Let's use it. So yeah, so we took a long, a fairly long break after losing all the embryos. And then we decided we were ready to go again. So in 2019, so pre-pandemic, that fall, we decided to go ahead. It was like, yeah, it was like summer, fall. Decided to go ahead and start another round of IVF. And um, I always wanted twins. Twins was always big. I wanted twins so bad. I was like, why not? Like, that would be so much fun. And and with IVF, are you able to choose how many embryos you want implanted? Yes and no. So again, what I've said about before about in the United States, they're much more liberal with um, like they I think you can even choose eye color, hair color. Yeah, like you can whole. you can do you can like test for the sex. You, there's like a whole bunch of stuff you can do. And um, in Canada, you can't actually test for the sex. I don't think I think it's illegal. You can't like, so the doctors here are very, like I said, conservative. They don't want to put in um, more than one embryo because like a multiple birth 
creates can create more um, complications. Complications. Mm-hmm. So they really didn't want to, but after our first round of failing, but they knew we could get pregnant. So that was the really that was the positive. That's what Dr. Tavish kept saying: you can get pregnant. So this is good. But we did have to have like a very serious conversation about. Do you want to go through this again? Do we want to go through this again? And then, yeah. And what does parenthood look like? Like Mm -hmm. maybe parenthood naturally isn't going or biologically isn't going to be for you. Um, But we went through another round regardless. We ended up with eight embryos this time. So yeah, like way more. um, It was, or or double the amount. It was really exciting. Half were ICSI, half were quote unquote natural. And away we went. And we had, we lost one, like one didn't make the thaw, um, that they call it. And I didn't get pregnant. Meaning like when you checked again, you weren't pregnant, they implanted it, but you weren't pregnant. Well, like, so we, Oh, sorry. You had asked. Yeah. So you had asked about how many embryos we put in. So what we decided with our doctor was this time he was going to allow me to put in me to allow us <laughs> to put in two at but he okay. was like, I'm working you though. Like it's a risk, like, um, a risk I understand now more than ever. So yeah, so at one point when we were putting two embryos in, one didn't survive like to even get in to, to make okay. it into, um, it just didn't survive the thought. It wasn't strong enough. So when they thought, then they, um, it passed, I guess they'll say. So away we went. Um, in December, I did get pregnant. We were thrilled, super excited. But my husband went away for work. And I started having cramping. Um, there was, we didn't see a heartbeat yet. It was still early right then. He had gone away for work that week. And I, he was due to come home on Friday. And I started feeling cramping and I started bleeding. But not enough to really, I knew something was wrong. But all they would say was like, no, it's like sort of like maybe it didn't work or Again, it's a little bit blurry, but I knew something wasn't right. Thursday, it was a little bit worse, um, but more just cramping, um, which could be normal too. Some people get crampy, like implantation cramping. Um, so we we just weren't sure, or they other people weren't sure. But again, I knew I knew something wasn't um, right, and I wasn't excited this time. I was very cautious um, going through what we had gone through, and Friday morning. Early in the morning, like 3 a.m., I like woke up and um, I definitely was not pregnant. And um, I just thought, though, because I was bleeding, I just thought my body was just letting go of it, like naturally. But I called Harlan nonetheless and left them a message and just said, This is what's going on. And so when they opened and they called me back and they said, We just want you to come in anyway, just to check things out. like you couldn't be pregnant, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so I went and they did an ultrasound and I had actually, I was still pregnant. I had an ectopic pregnancy and that is where the embryo went to, when it was, I was pregnant, but it was in my fallopian tube. So you can't actually carry. It never actually made it down into the uterus. It went past my uterus. Oh, and up into, okay. Yes. 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 You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It was an adventure, that one. And that was really difficult because it was still alive. You have you have to have it removed. They said we can call you an ambulance. You have to go to the hospital. Like 
needs to come out because it could actually rupture and kill you and all this. It's very dangerous. Or you can drive. And I said, no, I'll drive it. Um, my no, I had called my husband. He was in the States driving home in a snowstorm. Um, so I think that was a shitty drive for him. I called my mom once my mom met me at the hospital. And yeah, so I had to, it took a while um, just because even though I was important, it was high up. There was a snowstorm that day and the hospital was just flooded with accidents. Like it was so busy. There was a boy, a guy, not a boy, a, a person room next to me broke his arm, tried to stop a car from hitting him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was just one of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like the so season I finale was, of Grey's yeah. Anatomy, like yes, just everything was, at one time. <laughs> I was lucky because even though I was in emergency, I had my own actual private room with a door, not okay. just curtain. Yeah. So I was and on my own bathroom, still a lot of bleeding, uh, very uncomfortable, uh, but more uncomfortable mentally because... I just kept wondering, like, can't we save her? Like, she's still alive. Mm-hmm. Eventually, my husband arrived. And I think it was, it was after midnight when I finally did um, go in for surgery. When it came out, I was one less fallopian tube and one less baby. And they had to remove the whole fallopian tube. Yeah. So now I have just one. Um, mm which does not make my periods any better. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was, um, that was really shitty. And then a week later though, we moved into our dream home. So that was kind of nice. Seems to be a pattern that like, <laughs> that's unfortunately true. you have to have like suffer this terrible loss. And then within the same week, something huge happens. That's like a really, I never really, how did I not notice that? But yeah, that's <laughs> super true. And, and I did not really have to help with any type of moving. <laughs> okay, yes, <laughs> win. Yeah. Um, looking back now, at the time, I didn't know um, how serious it was, but it is for, you know, for people that don't know. And I like lots of people don't, because why would you? But an ectopic pregnancy is quite dangerous. And the recovery time. So um, I now have the upper Say, say my word again. Laparoscopic. <laughs> I had, so that's how they went in. Um, they, went lap- so now- they went in laparoscopically. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I have two, now I have four scars on each hip okay. or two scars on each hip and two in my belly button. It was strange because even though there, I, you know, I wasn't cut open anywhere, I felt better. Like it was really, it was a sad Christmas because it was December 19th that we moved in here. And so it was December 13th that I found out we lost mm-hmm. the baby. We did, and because it was a brand new home, we didn't put up any Christmas decorations here or anything, but we did go, you know, we, we spent time with our families. The recovery time was a lot. Uh, again, like I said, I didn't, I didn't have, you know, a big, a big gash where they stitched me up or anything like that, but I could tell my body was healing inside. Internally. And that yeah. people don't realize that when you have a surgery, it's not even about the wound on the outside. It's like what's happening on the inside. Exactly. It's exactly was going on on the inside and there was a lot happening on the inside and it goes to show like again with the emotional wounds like people may look at you now and they see your beautiful baby and they see that you're so happy but they don't realize still what's happening on the inside and the grieving that you're still doing right I didn't think I was going to cry as much as I did I'm so sorry (laughs) but I'm so grateful for you you know sharing in this space because someone is going to benefit from this. 
Oh, I hope so. I, I hope that's my goal. Like I just, we need to all talk about this more and realize it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing to hide. It's nobody's fault. That's another thing is people would often be like, well, do you know whose like fault it is? Yeah. It's it's no one's fault. And you're still um, worthy as a woman and as a mother because there's so much pressure on women to it's our it's our birthright that we you know carry and our we use our wounds mm-hmm. for motherhood and and biological birth and that's not always the case no and it's a lot of pressure yes and like you said too there's a million different ways to be a mother yes you, if you're an aunt if you're a neighbor if you're anything if you have fur babies like there's so many ways to give the love that you have in a parental caregiving nurturing motherly way um it doesn't necessarily mean that you had to badge for the child exactly i think that's so beautiful that was really shitty and after that one i was angry but i was much more subdued in my anger and i kind of gave zero fucks if I don't really swear that often, but that's, so if people ask me anytime, I stopped sort of sugaring coating it. And I would just say like, no, we struggle like with fertility. And I stopped saying infertility then too, um, because I don't like that. It doesn't, it's, it's a struggle, but I didn't know that I was infertile. So I just like, we struggle with fertility. That's how, that's how I chose to phrase it. I think it's a nice spin. It's a nice perspective to have. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, I don't like, it's up to each person and there are people that are technically infertile, but I'm not going to speak for them. I'm only going to speak for me. And yeah, it's a a struggle. So that's, that's how we worded it. And anywho, and then, you know, um, we got ready. It took my, it took my body. I had to heal. So that was December and we went through January, February, and we decided to go on a snowboarding trip because my husband and I love big white and away we went. Um, and there were some rumblings of this, you know, this virus that was floating around, but no one really knew yes. too much. Yet. Or, you know, the, some people knew a lot, but a lot of people just were whatever. We were and going with the flow. Yeah. yeah. Went to big white and in the middle of our trip, Restaurants were still open, but, you know, they weren't keeping things on the table. And anyways, by the time we drove home on a Sunday and that I got an email that day saying cancel your appointments from work, you know, see it like the world pretty much shut down the day we drove home. And I also got a message from Heartland saying, sorry, I should have, I, I went too far, but we had set up to start um, getting ready for an embryo transfer come coming that Monday, it was going to start taking the drugs. And they said, no, we're shutting down for COVID. Yeah. Wait. And that was a, that was sad, sad and angry. I was, cause I felt disappointing. Like, disappoint. Yes. Disappointing is really it. I was just like, why? And I knew that there were people suffering because of COVID, but I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't care. I was just really in my world and angry. I was just like, no, this isn't fair. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care if somebody can get COVID because I want, a, like, I need this now. I need to go through this. Like, can't they just keep the clinic open just for me? And uh, I had to come to terms with like, no, I'm not the only person on the planet. And it was just one more hurdle 
COVID sucked. People lost every, so many people yeah. lost so much stuff, including Mikey and I, and having that opportunity then. Because a lot of things got pushed back that it's unfortunate. A lot of surgeries, a lot of um, procedures, you know, a lot of people have been waitlisted for a lot of things and yeah. it's frustrating. So we were lucky enough that Heartland did eventually open, but I mean, yeah, there's still people that are waiting for impo- more different, different things than yes. what yes. and I are going to, because that's another thing. Like my clock is actually ticking, you know, I'm. And how 40. old are you now? I just turned 40 in February. So okay. when I had the issue, I was 39 and we still want to have more. So, you mm-hmm. know, I don't, don't have all the time in the world um, to, to wait, but yeah, so we did. So we had gone through four embryos before Bijou. And then this summer we did another, this past summer, this past, past summer, 20, 20, the summer of 2020, yeah, this, the first COVID summer, we did another transfer, um, in August. And I did test myself early again because I just couldn't, I couldn't yeah. wait again. Well, it's, it's their fault. They keep telling me that I need to go to the clinic to get my drug, my blood drawn on a Monday. And I'm like, I can't wait the whole week. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did, I did test early and I was pregnant. Um, I was very cautiously excited because now I've had two losses plus multiple embryo losses. We invited Mikey's parents for coming over to or something to pick up the dogs or I don't know. My mom was away on a girl's trip. So Mikey's parents came, I actually gave them a present and it was my <laughs> pregnancy stick that I had peed on. Uh. <laughs> and my mother-in-law still has it. Oh, that's so sweet. I just meant it as a joke, but she's like, I'm keeping this. Oh, <laughs> so sweet. I mean, listen, COVID is out there. What, what's the little pee <laughs> yeah, going to do? <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it was a really, again, it was a, it was a really happy time, but a very cautious time. And, um, Bijou's pregnancy was not obviously spoiler alert. We have Bijou, she's here. Um, but it was not an easy, um, an easy pregnancy in the beginning. I had, um, bleeding again, which was awful. I was at my cousin's house and I went to the bathroom and I just, and I saw blood and that feeling came back and then I had to wait all night. Um, before I could go to Heartland. Um, but we went to Heartland in the morning and baby was, even though we had put two embryos in, there was just one pregnancy or one, one child, one baby. I had a blood clot. So um, I was put off. I was on bed rest for a month. And then the blood clot, I guess, passed or does what it does. Um, after a month, it was gone. So I was able to go back to work. And then in... Like it was like in December-ish. So it was January that I got diagnosed. I was really itchy, but I knew that itchy was a sign of pregnancy. Like that happens. A lot of women get itchy. I just was like, well, this sucks, but whatever. And I would scratch and scratch, especially at night. And it was just like getting worse and worse. And so I just mentioned it to my doctor, but more in passing, because again, I just thought it's just itchiness. (laughs) And no, here I had coleostasis of pregnancy, which is, no, I don't know what it is, but. Okay. Yeah, it's like a liver. My liver couldn't break down all the enzyme. These oh, enzymes wow. was releasing, um, like I guess almost like toxins, like into my blood. So that makes your skin itchy, and it can put your baby at risk. Um, ideally, you want to carry a baby to term, but um, 
in a lot of cholestasis instances, the baby has to come out early because the baby can go into shock. So anyway, so then I had to start going for weekly ultrasounds um, just to make sure everything was a And are you on bed rest at this point as well or? No. Okay. No fish. That would have been fun. (laughs) Well, you could have put yourself on a bed rest. I know. Well, so the doctor <laughs> called and they forgot to mention that I need to be fully pampered this entire time. Yes. <laughs> like, hello. Hindsight um, is twenty twenty. It was okay. Like it was fine, except that I was getting really tired of going to the hospital because that's where I had to get the ultrasounds done. So it was like every week. Um, but my husband drove me, and and it was nice because I got to see her every week. And going through what we had gone through, the first trimester was awful but it really wasn't until she was here outside of my room that I was able to be like we did it like she's here yeah I made it to 37 weeks and then I got put on a list to be induced um because of coleostasis but they were too busy so um we did two cervical sweeps she came out on her own at 38 weeks and pregnant or childbirth which is full term it is full term. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. She's flipping adorable. And we have her. And you have yeah. her after all of that. Yeah. And like I said before, your story is one of resilience and bravery and courage and strength and vulnerability. Thank you. And it takes a lot to go through what you went through. And I commend you. Thanks. Thanks. Um, I will take that. Yes. Receive it, receive it. And then pour all that love into sweet little Bijou. And I hope that if you do continue on and you know, you still have those embryos, I, I hope that things are easier for you and they work in your favor. Thank you. So we have two left and we're planning on this summer. Okay. Um, a transfer so we'll keep you posted um good or bad um we are going to put both in hope for twins and also hope not for twins (laughs) (laughs) i get it and you're allowed and you're allowed you're allowed to take what you can get but also be kind (laughs) my neighbors have four children four boys and the last two boys are twins and i'm just like okay i think it's a lot (laughs) having a baby now and understanding what that first three months is after birth are like i don't know about twins now which is a whole story in itself yes well thank you so much for sharing your story like i said i know that people are going to benefit from this so i hope so i hope so um and yeah i'm open if anybody wants to to talk further i'm always I'm going to share the post for the, like on when I release the episode and I'll tag okay. you and I'll mention you in there as well, as well awesome. as the show notes for the episode so that people can reach out to you. And I really appreciate that as well as that, like continuing to expand our community and, and have people reach out if they have more questions. That's a wrap on this week's episode of the Hasten App podcast. Please follow along on Instagram. Handle is at H-E-Y dot S-A-N-A-A to continue the conversation. And please share this with your friends and family if you think that anyone out there needs to hear today's message. Together, we can really help a lot of people. Have an excellent day and thanks for tuning in.